0: Hi, I'm Nigel, the Shanghai psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune in to you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all "Tell Craig Your Story" listeners. Just use the code "Tell Craig Your Story" for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai psychic Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Ying Li. Now Ying is born and raised in China. She now resides in Shanghai and she's a regular comedian on the Shanghai circuit. In 2021 she received the award for the English stand-up New Faces Award and she hosts the open mic night at the Cotton Restaurant which promotes up and coming comedians in Shanghai. Now, Ying has performed live in Hangzhou, Shenzhen, and Nanjing as well. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at Podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have all the social medias Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a YouTube channel there. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates because I know that some of you out there would prefer to watch the video. And we also have WeChat for our Chinese listeners and VK for our Russian listeners at Tell Craig Your Story. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Ying Li on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Ying. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm doing very, very good, thanks. I actually saw you perform, was it last week, at Cotton's. Actually, it was great to see that uh, you're sort of promoting like the young comedians here in Shanghai. So first off, just tell us a little bit about how that all come about.
1: All right. Um, uh, First of all, thank you for having me. And I did not know... You were in the audience were you
0: yes yes i i turned up late yes but uh, i was there
1: last the open, week was was the, open, was
0: the open mic yes yes
1: all right so uh i couldn't
0: stop laughing
1: all right yeah oh you turned up late. so like who who did you see actually like i didn't i don't know how late you were
0: i turned we turned up pretty late a couple of friends and then we sat at like the front and uh, but I saw I saw him and then there was a couple of the newer uh, people as well. So uh, okay. I got a good mix of, yeah, super experienced. And then a couple that had just, it was their first turn. So it was a real mix of, of all different comedians. But how did this all come about? Um, I actually
1: took this over from Ben, <laughs> Ben Frank.
0: All right, there you go. Yeah,
1: he used to run this Tuesday open mic at 8 Pines. And before Eight Pines, there were a couple of other venues, um, and then he left. So um, then I just took over, um, just for us to have a, a place and spot to practice. That's it.
0: Yeah. And and like for people who don't know, like the open mic is like trying like new jokes out, mm-hmm. uh, getting a bit of experience behind your belt. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, open mic is a safe spot for everybody. Yeah. Uh, from first-timers to the very experienced lecture one last last week uh, to yeah. test new materials and to work on some bits that still need some work on for, let's say, showcases. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you don't test, uh, you don't know, at least at this level. Maybe those very, very seasoned uh, comedians, they don't do, like, uh, open mics as regularly as we do. Um, right. But, like, in here everybody's kind of new
0: and the the guy that went after uh the more experienced uh, guy he he just froze mm. he, he said his first joke and then he just froze and he said i i can't top that <laughs> mm. and then he just walked off the stage so, i
1: was in the toilet i actually didn't uh, when i came out he was already standing there and then like i had to get up yeah so that was yeah anything could happen and open my yeah. That's, yeah.
0: And was he planned to come? or Because, like, he's been on, like, talk shows all, all through the U.S. Was it, like, like, random? I came in Shanghai. I want to do some shows. Mm-hmm. or
1: Like, when he uh, stops by, uh, mm. he usually will get on a mic. He's a very humble uh, comedian with that much experience. And every time he comes, he's like, uh, yeah, can I get on? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So we're very. No, glad. you
0: can't. No, you can't. No, we're fully, we're fully booked. <laughs>
1: you're, you're too good. You're too good for this mic. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. It's also great to watch somebody that seasoned, you know. Yeah. Because we don't have many, uh, in this country, you know.
0: And speaking of first time on stage, can you remember the first time you actually did your first performance? Yeah,
1: very vividly. That was That's 2019, right. uh, September 27th. Three days after I moved to Shanghai, I was still staying at a hostel. I before that I came to Shanghai like a month ago. When I it's a long story, but long story short, back then I just uh, I had just moved back to uh, China from Malaysia uh, like a, for a year, and then I was living in my sister's city in the northeast called Changchun. Uh, I wasn't happy there. There was yes. not much going on there. <laughs> And Except then,
0: spicy food.
1: <laughs> it was not spicy at all.
0: Oh really? All oh, right.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's in the northeast. Uh, oh. It's um, it's not spicy. Um, and then I, like, I went back to Malaysia twice, and then I think I stopped by Shanghai, I just wanted to move here. Uh, I actually met uh somebody who was um, doing comedy in China when I was in, in Malaysia. So he was performing in Malaysia, I was watching comedy there and then he was like when you come back uh, You come check check us out. It it was kung fu comedy, but when I I moved to Shanghai, it was already gone So I I think I got a little bit nudge here and there just started doing it I I think I got a lot to Just get out of my chest because I was having problems re-entering the country um and then I didn't care to be funny. I just wanted to get, the,
2: get, get it, up, it there. up
1: my chest. Yeah. yeah
2: right.
1: And also I saw them doing comedy. If, if it makes you feel that it's a very inclusive community. Like anybody can try. And communities are usually very encouraging when they see new people want to try on a mic. So, yes. and I'm like, hey, why not? I like talking and like humor. And this is a, a cool community. So.
0: That's and sometimes sad. sometimes it's half the fun when someone goes up there and they, they make a fool of themselves. That, that's funny as well. Like, let's go back a little bit.
1: I was, I was born and raised on a farm uh, in a village uh, in the northeast. Like, a, back then, it was a very, in the 1980s, it was a very remote village. And I made it out to go to college. And then I, I had lived in a couple of cities in China and i decided to go see the world um and i don't know maybe professionally to to grow as well so i Mm. went to malaysia and i did my master's there then i worked there for another three years and then in 2018 i came back to my sister's city uh, in the northeast which i didn't like Uh, it was nice to spend a year with her and more time with my grandparents who still live in the village and some of my relatives. Um, But mm, there's not much to do. Also, it's hard to fit in. Yeah.
2: Because,
1: yeah, it's pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much like, uh, I don't know, everybody is living the same kind of life. You uh, get married, you have children, you work for your children, you pay mortgage.
0: That's a very interesting thing, that what you you just said, because uh, the topic is dating, Uh, Mm -hmm. in China Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I had the uh, three foreign people and then I'm going to get three uh, Chinese people to sort of talk about that. One of the things that we talked about was the pressure uh, of the female uh, girls in China. They get to like a certain age and it's like okay you've got to get married otherwise they went sort of like you the boys. So Mm -hmm. did you have that sort of pressure sort of growing up
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I cannot speak for all the women and all the men, but I think uh, men are also Chinese men. Are yes.
0: also,
1: a lot of pressure as well, probably even yes. more uh, Financially. expectation to be successful. Mm. So they're like, a, you know, they're modern men, but they're also under traditional pressure for men as well. Yeah, for women, it's the same. Yeah, I think my par- my, my family is generally speaking more open minded. But uh, I I do feel the societal pressure. Uh, even this was ten years ago when I decided to go to Malaysia. I was 28, and I had worked for five years. And uh, professionally, I didn't see myself going further uh, with that company. So I wanted I wanted to 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 grow my, uh, like professionally. But also, I hadn't got a chance to see the world. And I think wow. I had like a at that time, I had the financial ability myself to go do it and emotionally mature to do that myself and, like, just m- more independent. And also, I was thinking, oh, I'm 28. Uh, I'm not, you know, involved with the person seriously. Uh, I cannot find anybody good. I'm sorry. That's how I thought. And I, I'm like, <laughs> I can't find anybody that, yeah. And then, like, hey, I'm, I might as well just change my Hmm. Pond of water.
0: <laughs> let's let's actually go back then. Let's go back to uh, where you were born. So, uh, what was the village again that that you said that you were born in in China?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. I was born in 1984. So back then it was a pretty ba- I wouldn't say yeah, pretty backward actually. Uh, pretty backward. Uh, it was like. I think half an hour to a town, okay uh, right. we call it a city, but like it's just a town, and yeah, me um I grew up watching like a fourteen inch black and white t v and that was,
2: yeah, that was
1: uh and that was one of the first televisions in the village that my father bought, yeah, so right. when, yeah, when I was small, there were so many people coming to our house to watch t v together.
0: <laughs> right. So, so what, did, what did your mom and dad do uh, for a living?
1: Oh, okay, that's a good question. So they they were not farming farming. You know, when I was younger, my father, uh, like both of my parents didn't go to middle school because of the situation they were in. Both of them were first child of the family and both of them were very selfless. They put their younger siblings first. Basically, that's every, you know, first child does like yes. y- yeah you you gotta help uh the family um and then because they have like five six seven children
2: yeah right
1: yeah if just two parents working yeah you can't make ends meet and
0: what, about, what about if they have seven children but isn't the policy one Wouldn't oh that's one? my
1: parents time
0: like oh a, right yeah
1: they were like my parents my my mom is 17 my, my father's 68 Uh, So, back then, it's normal to have five, six, seven children.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And then, so, they're, like, my father's youngest uh, sibling got an education. So, because everybody paved the way for him.
2: Yeah, right.
1: And I definitely see my parents brilliant enough to get an education themselves. they. They chose to sacrifice themselves. So, but with that said, uh, they were not doing a lot of farming, just a little bit of it. My father was pretty entrepreneurial. So when I was younger, he would uh, travel to Inner Mongolia yeah right. uh, and to buy uh, their horses and cows and just ship them back uh, to sell <laughs> in our village or in the villages nearby because... Yeah, those cows and, and horses were better in, in the wow. Mongolia. So he would actually travel for sometimes months, like a month or half a month with his friends, with all the cash, you know, like every time I would uh, remember like a midnight, I don't know why every time he's like, he left early in the morning, my mom will will just like, a, like sue a big pocket, uh, and then uh, under underneath his clothes and then put all the cash in yeah <laughs> back then i think
2: no uh, <laughs> he could
1: he, yeah he could use like 30,000 quai and go there and buy like 30 cows like 1000 yeah. per cow and then just ship them back on the train With his friends, and it would take days for them to arrive because it was slow. Sometimes horses as well, and those horses would tend to escape. Sometimes they 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 broke a leg, and then they just ah, it's it's very it sounds very adventurous. Like every time, what he did, and yeah, he was one of the first few people to to do things like that. So they weren't really they were not farming farming, but this was. This last, and, and we were pretty affluent. Yeah, um, in the village. Uh, my father would go to um, the town to not uh, do some shopping. Also, my mom's uh, relatives were living in the city and they were having something like a recycling company. Oh.
2: Uh, they,
1: yeah, they would come to the village and they would purchase, uh, let's say, goats hair or sheep hair and use yeah. that to i don't know for wool or something. yeah so yeah. every uh, like every summer like not summer even may they would uh drive to uh our place and stay there for a month to do that because there are so many people that raised uh, sheep and 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 goats and then that's the season when you have to cut their hair off because it's hot uh-huh. yeah and then they was they, w- they would be stationed in your family uh, for a month, and that's something new, fresh air, I think, because those people were like city people, yeah. and that, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: and they would uh, and they also enjoy being in the village, because yeah. like it's it's a change for them, eating yeah. something organic and oh, yeah. uh, socializing with farmers, uh, so they enjoyed it so much, and they they would teach me how to sing songs and stuff, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting and like a lot of people uh, in the village, they really admire us having that opportunity to have this, you know, this uh, like interactions with people that are not from there and also they're doing something nice for the villagers as well.
0: That was, uh- and I had a, you know, yeah, you're saying all this and it's just bringing back so many good memories. Like my first job here in China was I would go to, it was an online English teaching company and we had a license to go into the public schools and it wasn't the big, big cities. It was the rural, rural villages. And we'd go in there and set up a big TV for them and do online classes for them. But I would actually go and visit them. So, yeah, I I was in a, a little village called uh, Juchong, and we, every school uh, in Shandong, uh, it was near Weifang, and every every school in this village, we had uh, our English teaching uh, company there. So yeah, I would go past uh, this this school, and there was a shop there and it was a goat and there was four goats on the back of the truck on the ute and instead of like going in the backyard or going outside into into the farming area they just did it out the front of the shop and they they skinned the goat and then they just sort of started cutting it up and I was like oh like, I'm this city guy <laughs> all of a sudden it's like uh, we're not in shanghai anymore so but uh, what an experience and yeah. i got to do uh, meet all the um educational people there and instead of doing business first mm. you would find a restaurant and you'd sit there and then to be like bye joe and mm. lots and lots and lots and lots of food and then you'd get drunk with these business guys and the next day you'd do business with them and that's like this is just crazy. I'm just in, living in a, on a different planet. But, uh, yeah, what, what an experience. And I met some of the smartest kids that ever that lived on these villages. Their English was perfect. But they were, all their family were farmers. So I hope they get the opportunity or scholarships to sort of get out there. So was that a, sort of an issue for you? Like, were you very good at school?
1: So me, my brother, my sister, uh, I have an older brother and older sister. Hmm. Um, I think my parents always had this vision that all of us would go get an education. Yes. And then I think the, I don't know, uh, we did pretty well at school without even trying that hard. Yeah, right. When when we were like kids in primary school and middle school. Because my my mom actually came from an intellectual family.
2: Hmm.
1: Her family was just being very smart. Right.
0: Um,
1: but because of some historical reasons, you know, they ended up being in the village. So she met my father. They were not supposed to cross paths at all. Right. Yeah, they were not from the my par- my father's side was always farmers
2: mom's side
1: was never yeah i think when they uh, met and they got married they were pretty much on the same page i guess so yeah my brother was extremely intelligent and i just i think i just followed his footsteps and he was like very proud of me since i was in kindergarten he was six yeah. years older than me and he was doing he was like the like a famous boy school it was yeah, right. he, yeah he was yeah he <laughs> he outperformed the teachers because yeah. like it's, it's a village <laughs> school wow. and the teachers were t- i'm i mean like i'm pretty i'm very grateful for what they've done for us but by today's standard they were not qualified to be yes trained.
2: yes they
1: were just like some people in the village that
2: just a that them.
1: happened to went to, uh, to to go to high school and then, <laughs> right. So he, yeah, I, I he he was really popular at school, and I was just following him everywhere, and, and and I think it was natural for me to follow his footsteps. Um. So all of us, yeah, all of us got an education. It was not surprising for other people as well in the village, because they they would knew they they knew my parents were different. So they were like, yeah, their kids would. Go to college
0: when you were in school were you that confident girl that could go up onto a stage or was that something that you sort of build up to when you started doing comedy
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's a very good question i think when i was a kid um my parents were very encouraging for me to sing and stuff so i would do that and in primary school too uh, whenever i get a chance and I was not even good at singing, but my teacher would always ask me to teach at the class how to sing.
2: Right. And, uh,
1: yeah, but I think when I was a teenager, I got a little bit shy because you're <laughs> a little bit more self-conscious. Yes. Um, and then high school, you basically had no no chance to, to do public speaking and stuff. It was all exam. And then um, college, I think, uh, yeah, I gradually got back that confidence I had when I was a small kid. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think I had it in me.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then going into uh, university did uh, or college, did you have to move from your village? Uh, where, did, where did you go to?
1: Mm, when I was 16, uh, I left the village to attend a boarding school in that small town. Uh, right. So I could only visit my parents once a month for two days. Uh, that was the biggest challenge. That's when I started feeling homesick and also that's the first time I felt that I was uprooted and to live uh, in the city I felt people were pretentious because right. uh, in the village everyone was you know friendly uh, up forward uh, like straightforward and then you you get there's no room for being
2: fake
0: yeah was yeah. the bull- bullying there uh, like when you went to the city like you being uh, like a village girl was there any sort of pressure there
1: I don't think there is bullying, I think there is, maybe some people have a sense of a privilege, or a superiority,
2: Yes. but,
1: but, you know, you can always feel that you're smart, (laughs) and you're you're like, I'm not affected, but doesn't mean that you're happy, you still expect to have that same dynamics that you have when you were, you know, in your old environment, yeah. But I think I, I was all right. I was also not interested in socializing because I'm like uh, I'm here. If I don't go to college, I'm going back to the farm, and I go. I don't want to go back to farming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you when you did graduate, uh, what was the plan there? Were you looking for work? Or you wanted to do more study or traveling? Or what What mm-hmm. was the sort of plans there when you finished?
1: Mm-hmm. I think typically for Chinese people, because when they finish like you're expected to get a job get married mm-hmm. that was then so i graduated college uh, i was thinking of doing the same like meet somebody through blind dating yeah. or introduce a person to you uh, but that did not happen that way you know it's not a script written for everybody
2: <laughs> right
0: but but i have heard that like uh, uh maybe not so much uh, yeah, from australia but uh, i've heard that uh but the parents are trying to sort of set people up
2: uh, mm-hmm.
0: here in China is that sort of like a common thing and did your parents do that as well?
1: Yeah, I wish my parents could do that for me so that I wouldn't be single but they only
0: know farmers let's <laughs> right. say you're doing online dating or going to a bar right? <laughs>
1: they only know farmers and I don't want to go back and farm yeah so I if they could they would yes. Definitely. I think if they could, they would. It's very funny, you know, um, when I was studying in Malaysia, I met so many friends and uh, classmates from different countries. Like, let's say I met uh, a lot of people from Pakistan. And wow. yeah, and the, the guys and girls, they were so surprised. They were like, how come there's so many single people in China? Don't you guys have family members, cousins, friends <laughs> that just hook you up and, or arrange something for them, like like it's like in their country, nobody is gonna left. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody is gonna be. You know, it's 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 just not like here. I think China is you know uh, transitioning from a traditional society to something very western. Yeah. You know something very western. So it's yeah, it's very interesting. It's like it's not like a India. Yes. is transitioning, but they're still following a lot of, of their traditions when it yes. comes to dating and marriage. But for us, we just, we transition from the traditional, you know, uh, society to something very different. So it's yes. like there's no middle ground, you know? Like, let's say, um, now it's 2020. Like, maybe 20 years ago, probably there were no single people. You're either... You know, married or maybe widowed. <laughs> right. But now, now it's it's just very different, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, very different. And but it was going back to what we spoke about before about the pressures of uh, a girl that's turning 30 and mom and the parents just saying, "Hurry up, hurry up, time is ticking." So yeah, have you had any sort of experiences like that?
1: No, I've never paid anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I would like to be paid <laughs> to be yeah, some that's
0: right. that's right.
1: girlfriend. I would do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Why? no, no, I I don't I I think uh yeah, because every family is different. I don't think for my family I had to do that. No.
0: Yeah. yeah. And when you did go to Malaysia, uh, what was your sort of experience? First, ex- like. Expectations and then actually getting there, what, what was that sort of first yeah. feelings? And you know, that's a very good question.
1: Because that was my first time going and studying and staying and living in a foreign
0: country. But eyes wide open,
1: right? Yeah, I was expecting Malaysia to be like Australia and America, but right. it's a completely different society. <laughs> and I was, my, for my first week, I was a little bit bummed. Because uh, this is nothing like Australia or America. Because, <laughs> like, uh, I, um, I met some local students, and from your first conversation, you just realized, oh, this is a different society. Because the, they were very curious about international students as well. So, the first few questions they would ask is, like, how old are you? Right. What's your religion?
0: Yeah. Sorry, their religion is Muslim, right? Is it Muslim? Uh, for,
1: yes. Uh, yeah. for because uh, um Malaysia is a multi um ethnic country. Um, uh, mm. there are majority of them are, are Malays, so they they are born Muslims.
2: Right.
1: Uh, okay, but the more how to say I wouldn't say open-minded, but the mild ones compared to the extreme ones. Uh, but the country is getting when I was there towards the end, it was getting more Islamic, right? So yeah, it was not like a, I think the peak time for Malaysia was in 1990s or maybe early 2000s. It was flourishing, you know? Mm. It was, uh, because I have friends and and professors, they also missed that period of time. They were more like diverse, like usually like people from this, this different ethnic groups, they got along well and that's what made that country good at that time but they lost that so it yeah and then you know the indians and chinese and minorities felt that they were second class citizens so there was tension between all these groups and that also affected how you feel as a foreigner there yeah
0: very very interesting mm. and did it take you a sort of uh, how long did it take you to finally settle in? That, uh, that took you take you a while to do that, or was it?
1: I think finished? we live in a yeah live in a foreign country. Every day there is something new. <laughs> uh, yeah, but for me to accept that this is a, you know this is not it is Malaysia because it's Malaysia. It's different from other countries. And then you came here for experience, not comfort. That was always in me. When I I went there, I'm like, I'm not here for comfort. I'm here for experience. So, yeah, there are challenges here and there. That's why it's exciting. And I think I'm an adventurous person um, when it comes to, you know, uh, meeting people. Mm. And then, yeah, enriching your experience. Uh, So so I don't think it, it took me that long. Also, I've met really, really great people. That I could learn a lot from like one of my professors saying that because yeah, he, he studied in America. Uh, so he could relate to our experience. So it's like when you are living in a foreign country, you do not expect the locals to accommodate you. You have to do the work yourself. Especially there's when there's a lot of ex- difference, because you already you're the more adventurous one. You came all the way there. You are not sitting around waiting for people to accommodate your need and stuff. Yeah. So I think that changed my mindset. Yeah.
0: Did yeah. Have a, have a highlight of Malaysia. and no. how, how, how long did you stay there for?
1: I was there for six years.
0: Six years, right? Yeah. Um, and sorry, sorry. Did you do any more traveling after that? Like once you went to Malaysia. Normally, you, you catch the sort of like the travel bug. Did you yeah. get an opportunity to go elsewhere? All
1: right. Yeah, when I was uh, studying, I did not do much because I I was sponsoring myself financially, so you got to say. Right. But after I started working, I did uh, like nearby countries of like Thailand, Indonesia, um, yeah, so some Vietnam, right? These countries, yeah. Um, um,
0: what did you think of Southeast Asia? Because then again, mm-hmm. compared to Malaysia and China, mm-hmm. they're a totally different world as well. So mm-hmm.
1: I loved it. Yeah. Uh,
0: um.
1: Yeah. I, I. I. love the weather, uh, the climate, mm-hmm. the tropicalness, um, and the the greenery, how much nature has, and also how laid back people are. Very yes. chill. Yeah. At first, it took me a while to accept that. Uh, they are not working as much as Chinese people. Uh, like, you know, here almost nothing stops, nothing closes. <laughs> Even banks work on weekends. But there it's a different vibe. So, like, why are we working that much? When we yeah. have the nature, when we have the resources, you know, we just chill and enjoy life. And after a while, I'm like, hey, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. why do we have to become work colleagues? That's right yeah
0: that's right there's more more to life than just work and and i try and tell them all the time they just don't listen they don't listen to me
1: nobody's gonna
0: listen to me no no,
1: no. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah have a five-day holiday but then you've got to work <laughs>
1: yeah the makeup holidays uh, are just crazy and stupid like when i was in malaysia not, not nothing at all like yeah you, yeah you have you're supposed to have five days off you end up having nine days off
2: That's
1: it. yeah right so you don't so i was like i was i was like uh, easy. Um, i was yeah i was saying that here they just they, they're just showing off that they're better at mathematics <laughs> they can do all the calculation with the, with all the makeup holidays and like what's the point yeah so I don't. Yeah, I still, yeah. I still find it hard to, yeah, to reaccept some of the things that I grew up with.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So you come back uh, to China? Did you say 2018 that you come back?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So obviously for anyone, uh, but especially China. But you're you're a, a local, so what were the difficulties coming back? Like like you said, there was troubles with your visa or what, what, mm-hmm. what were the issues there?
1: Like a reverse culture shock, I think. Yeah. I, r- yeah, everybody experienced that. Um, uh, I think the lifestyle, basically yeah. lifestyle, as I said, like how much people work and how little people talk. I mean, really, really talk. Because when I was in Malaysia, we had so much free time. I yeah. Like so much. You spend so much time doing nothing with with your friends. Like you meet you meet up with a friend, and you can hang out for the whole day. Yeah. You have nothing to rush to. Yeah. Here, like, like you know, you you constantly uh, anxious about something. Yes. Right there, like just pure uh, inner peace, I would say and more inner peace, more holidays, less financial pressure. And also I was living as a foreigner there, so I had not much of a responsibility. Yeah, but coming back here, I just feel that um, all my friends, uh, the local friends, um, so they were all basically either married or divorced,
2: (laughs) Mm. Uh, you know, with
1: with kids and family and relationships, uh, in-laws, work, and korea so it's just it's all problems
0: yeah i can totally relate to it i went back to australia just recently i just come back so when, when did you make the decision to come to shanghai
1: like a year a year um after i moved back to my sister's city yeah it was
0: fine. so where where were you when the first Uh, Covid broke out, and for you, Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about your situation and how you sort of dealt with that period.
1: Mm, I was in. That was uh, just a few. I moved here at the end of September, Mm. and it it happened in January. Right. Yeah, and also uh, my parents and my brother, they live in Hubei Province like uh yeah it's, uh, if you take the plane it's like 20 minutes from wuhan
0: yeah right wow
1: yeah and then so i uh yeah i wasn't i didn't even know about it and in, in mm. shanghai until my brother called me he was like this there's this thing going on mm. I'm gonna check your ticket if you could come back and i still didn't check and then i just saw a lot of people canceling their trips and i i I, at first, I couldn't get a ticket to go back because that was my first experience uh, of buying a ticket in these years during Chinese New Year. And I wasn't good at, you, you know, waiting on the app to, to grab a ticket. So yes. I get a ticket. And there are a lot of people dropping. And my brother's like, now you can get a ticket. So I got a ticket. And then I went back. But he was like, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. yeah. So I was wearing a mask on the train. I, I went back. And then, like, um, like 10 hours, I was in my parents' place and I was supposed to meet my brother's family. And then he mm. comes up, he's midnight, so I arrived in the morning, midnight. He's like, You have to go, <laughs> they're gonna lock down the city.
0: Wow. And
1: then he just drove me to, um, drove me three hours to a nearby province to take the, the earliest train back to Ch- uh, Shanghai. And mm. like you don't want to be locked down here so i came yeah here and i also don't want to be locked down here yeah like this is shanghai i had a small studio apartment uh and i i'm a very outdoorsy person and I basically had, I just moved here like a few months ago. I right. had not so many friends. And then I'm like, I don't get, get out of here. It's a good excuse to go back to Southeast Asia. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to Malaysia, but uh, I had to apply for a visa. It, it took at least three days. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to Thailand. So right. I to yeah. I went to Thailand and uh, wanted to stay there for let's say 10 days and go to uh, Indonesia
2: Mm. but
1: Indonesia denied my entry
2: because Mm. of the situation so I just
1: I stayed in Thailand for 50 days until uh, mid-March and my brother was like "Uh, uh, you have to come back they're going to shut down the borders so I came back like a week before the borders got shut down then I was here but this lockdown I didn't do well this one's my actually my first lockdown lockdown. I was never locked down. Right. So this this past one was, was terrible.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll actually, uh, tell us about this, because I left for both times. So what did you do? I, I noticed that you started like a blog or like a, a podcast thing where you were, you were interviewing people during that time. Is that something that you're doing to sort of pass time?
1: this one we did online comedy right um and i think uh yeah for at least a month that yeah that kept me busy but i don't think it's uh i i still don't think that's uh that's you know it cannot it cannot cancel out the damage you know Mm, yeah i said i'm very outdoorsy yeah
2: so
1: yeah it's um yeah, it's it's just I think for anybody that's outdoorsy that that you know that constantly meet, meets up with their friend, they got things uh, going on, you know, they got eh, yeah, they're very, very active. It's just hard. You could pretend that I got myself busy doing this and that. Mm. but still, uh, yeah, it's it's just very uh, it's a lot of damage
0: and you know what when i think you get a more of appreciation of when you do get out because like when when i was locked in it was like okay um, i'm organizing for this 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 and this but i couldn't get a date but it was like okay here are the things i want to do and as soon as i got out i was like right i've done the 10 days quarantine okay so i'm gonna do this 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 it had a had a bunch of plans so when it opened up very recently I've noticed that the comedy scene uh, in Shanghai slowly started to sort of get back together. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: It's slowly getting back together, but we uh, lost several good comedians.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So, yeah. And also, um, I think people are getting their life back together. I cannot speak for everybody, but I am not fully back. Yes. I'm not fully back emotionally. It's, uh, and also now you know it's back again yeah so there, there are a lot of interruptions yeah uncertainty you know and people experience so much change there's still you know when you do comedy that's like in here it's sort of like a um, everybody has their day job yes know, and everybody ha- has their life so when they got their jobs you know in check they got their life in check then hmm. they can do comedy but yes i'm saying if i'm using I'm, i mean there are a lot of people that use comedy to um i don't know as an outlet yes some real life issues mm-hmm. but i don't think that's how it works for me yes. i have to be content with my life and work then when I'm doing comedy, I'm fully on. Right. So if I don't get things in the right place, I cannot do comedy well.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that, uh, it says here that you've gone to uh, a couple of cities. You've headlined shows as well. Hangzhou, Shenzhen, Nanjing, and obvious, obviously Shanghai. So where uh, like, where are you drawing like your material from? Uh, is it from personal experiences? A- and when I'm trying to do podcasts, I-, I try and stay away from the negatives and keep it sort of like positive and uh, uplifting. but so so where do you draw your sort of influences and how do you put like a a set together like a comedy set?
1: That's a very good question. I don't think uh, you know I'm a very good joke writer mm. Um, yeah, I don't just sit there and write jokes based on an idea or, like, oh, today I'm gonna write about this. You know? Right. So, all my material is pretty much like a real life experience. And then, yeah, uh, living, so that's why living a life is so important for me. If yes. I'm not living my life right, I don't have material. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: So, right. So, that's a, uh, yeah, I like the f- fullness and richness of life Mm. and then uh it could be good or bad yeah
2: yes
1: it's it could be like a a very exciting life experience it could be something that you know somebody harass you you know uh, at at a at a train station which was yeah a true story and i just turned it into you know a comedy bit
2: yeah right yeah
1: yeah so that's that's uh that's how it works me and uh, but as I started doing it I'm learning you know I'm learning yes. how to let's say to be more uh, observing and mm. if sometimes there's a piece of news and I had some input and yes. I think it's funny I would do it uh, yes I think yeah there are a lot of different types of jokes and there are a lot of the you know ways of doing it so I'm also learning you know
0: right but uh, you, must, you must be getting a, a bit of a following because uh, like last week or, or two weeks ago wasn't actually the first time that I've seen you. I've seen you um, a couple of times in the Shanghai. How do you get these shows? Do you have like an agent or a manager?
1: I am actually got a lot of, as I said, it's a community. Yes. It's a community. When I, uh, yeah, when I walk in this community, I was welcomed. I was welcomed as a new... Uh, open Micer, uh, and I got so much help and support mm. from um, those people that have been in the scene for a long time, um, and everybody that has helped me uh, has been so generous uh, in terms of giving me feedback, or in terms of uh, let's say hooking me up with some gigs. Yes. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's the the help and support um, I got from John. So basically, if you've done this for for a while, it's, as I said, it's a very tight community.
0: And
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. If we like, yeah. If I know there's a gig and you know they need people, I would tell my friends.
0: Yes.
2: Same. They would tell me. Yeah.
0: And, and what is the, in, in your opinion, what is the Shanghai comedy scene like? Uh, I'm sure, like with any sort of business, it, it has its ups and downs, but. Do you have times where it's peaking, like obviously the weekend or uh, like if you have like an international sort of comedian come in? I mean, like, tell us a little bit about the the Shanghai uh, comedy scene, in your opinion.
1: I think when I moved to Shanghai, I saw a couple of international uh, comedians Mm. and that was the end of it. Right. Yeah, the pandemic happened. Um, Mm. So it's basically just, um, yeah, it's just like within Shanghai. Yeah, and then you can travel to some tier two cities because you do need to have a crowd that understands English. Yes. And then, yeah, so it's a mix of expats and locals who can understand English, Hmm. right? So, yeah, and also now I think, uh, there are more and more Chinese people that are interested in uh, English stand-up. Yes. For reasons for a few reasons. Some just uh, come for laughs. Some come to practice English. Some just come for experience. It's a cool event. Yes. Yeah, it's a cool event for for many people. Uh, yeah. And then comedians-wise, uh, as I said, because of uh, you know the pandemic and we are having a small number of comedians at the moment, especially and, active ones,
0: yeah. And is there a backlash there, like, it, we, like a, a Chinese uh, comedian uh, speaking English? When I went to Brazil, uh, a lot of the bands were playing and speaking in Portuguese, mm. but they were telling me that if a band started speaking, like playing uh, and singing in English, Mm-hmm. That they, they were like, oh, you're against us, you know, you're trying, you're, you're a sellout, mm-hmm. you're not sticking to your roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is that something similar in China, like, with, with speaking, doing English uh, comedy?
1: Again, I cannot speak for everybody, but I, mm. I definitely think uh, your proficiency level does make a difference. Uh, it, it could be a good difference, it could be a bad difference you know also like a you know to be funny sometimes you don't have to be the good the best. yes you don't <laughs> have to be the that's best right. language speaker that's right right sometimes maybe for some people it's the it's the whole package of uh, yes. your persona your story uh, the fact that you're speaking a language as a second language
2: yes and
1: that's the funny you know i have people that made me laugh because the way, because of the way they speak.
2: a yes. language. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah,
1: so then I think you just need to find your niche. Yes, right? Yeah, but like, because there are also different types of uh, comedians.
0: Mm. Some
1: people, some comedians, they just riff. Yes, know? then then you really need to have good control and command of the language. Yes. Right, if you go that direction, but if you just go by your scripted jokes and these jokes are great and a work with your per- persona, uh, that's your that's your niche.
0: Yes, actually, that reminded me too. I saw on on your WeChat, you had like part of your set, and there were uh, I said like Italian Heckler. Oh, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if he was your friend, but every time you wanted to start a joke, he, he'd want to say something. So so how do you deal with something like that? Have you had, like, experiences in different cities where someone's sort of, like, oh, shut up? I want to just tell the jokes, you know?
1: Oh, thanks for checking them out. Actually, here I have barely been heckled. People here are pretty nice. Right. And they are nicer to girls. Ah.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: They are nicer to girls. Uh, a lot of people... Like for example, uh, Chinese crowd would think, "Wow, you're doing it in your second language, and you're great. You're one of it's the few yeah. locals, and you're the one of the few girls doing it with a bunch of uh, native speakers." That's how they see it. Yes, so they are. They 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 are like, uh, "You're what you're doing is great." So they are actually very very supportive, um, and also. Like when it comes to an expat, like, can you imagine a white guy sitting there hackling a Chinese girl? Here? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Right? Yeah, like a, a,
1: yeah, also, I think there is something to do with the, the local culture here. It might happen in other countries as normal. They're like, oh, you're there, you know, you're same as everybody, you know, and sometimes if I heckle you, I want you, I want to see how you deal with that. I want you to be funny. I want you to use that and make it even funnier. I trust yes. that you can do that. Maybe yes. they're challenging you, right? And also they don't mind that, you know, you're doing something harsh but funny to them. Right. <laughs> they, yes. have, they, ha- they have they they have a culture of comedy here. Um yeah, here is it's it's new. People are trying to protect comedians as well. I think sometimes crowds want gotcha. to do that too. They're like, "Oh, everybody's new." I'm not sure if I'm, you know, being a little bit challenging. Yes. I'm not sure if you can handle that. So I better yes. not do it. All right.
0: And that, that's how I felt like when uh, I was watching some of the newer comedians there that were trying out of that open mic. I wanted to laugh for them. Yeah. And they were just stumble. Yeah. And I know it's all experience as well, but I was w- wanting to laugh and just give them some support, you know. You just want to hear that laugh, like a little bit yeah. of a laugh, and get a bit of an acknowledgement. Speaking of that, you actually won an award, New Faces Award, twenty twenty one.
1: It was, it was, uh, as I said, it's a lovely community. I think uh, the organizer, Ian Badenhorst. I don't know if you've seen him.
0: Yes, uh, of he, course.
1: Yeah, he he wants to encourage uh, younger, newer comedians, you know, to yeah to do well so he got us a, sp- a sponsor um yeah and, and i
0: think i was actually at that show as well where you won the award right it was like a yeah. Yeah. i was you at that there. one as well yeah i was there as well
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, and then um so he got us a sponsor Um uh, there was prize money it was all yeah uh, it was
0: down to you and the american guy and there, you won, and you won, or, or like with the voting?
1: Yeah, there were three guys, There were three of us. I was right. surprised because I thought, like Han, uh, it was another Chinese guy. Actually, he did really well, and there yeah, was that's... an American guy.
0: Yes, um, the American yeah, guy, yeah. Well For the well. yeah.
1: Was, yeah. Yeah, he was he, he was having dress. Uh, I was completely surprised. I was shocked. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, but it was, yeah, it was, it was lovely because. Yeah. We, Sort of like, a, you know, we kind of a new um, I wasn't that new in terms of, uh, you know, um, how long I had been doing it on and off, but I took quite a few breaks. Mm. So uh, but it was a very exciting experience, uh, that energy, you know, yeah. all of us cheered for each other. We all wanted the whole thing to be a good show. Yes. I wanted everybody to do well. There was, I think, twelve of us, or if I'm not mistaken. That, that was that was great. I hope it happened this year again. Yeah. So people get you know, you get competitive, you get you also get you want yourself to do well, you also want others to do well.
0: Yes. Uh what is the future hope? Oh,
1: I like it when it's uncertain. That's yeah. good. And also I think we have all learned that there's no use to make plans now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The,
0: plan, the plan is that we're going to go back into lockdown eventually sometime. <laughs> uh,
1: I actually never planned anything. Long term. So I've, I've mm. My life now was nothing that I had ever envisioned. Right. So I like it to, you know, not know it.
0: But that's great. What advice would you give to like an up-and-coming, up inspiring comedian that uh, wants I'm to do still, what you're doing?
1: I'm still new, new, new. I'm still very new. Uh, but if somebody uh, is interested in doing comedy, mm. um, just keep doing it. Don't stop.
0: Well, I think what you said also is that there's not just one particular comedian. There's all different styles. Like you said, uh, there's a guy that just writes down different jokes and one talks, oh, I saw this the other day, talking about stories and relating it to us. So I think that, yeah, uh, it's all different. Try, go to those open mics and just try it out. If it doesn't work, try do something different. So yeah. that's what I think. Social medias. And where where can we find you, especially for our Australian listeners? How do we find you? How do we find your comedy? Mm,
1: I actually have not really posted stuff uh, online because um, I'm relatively new. I don't want to burn my materials. Right. Um, yeah. But in here we use so much WeChat. So I do <laughs> have a WeChat channel and mm. you have my WeChat. Um, that's I'm very bad at social media.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, I cannot manage, let's say, Instagram, YouTube, all of this. I yes. Just don't, I'm very old school. Um. So if I just post something on my WeChat moment, if, you know, I have, if I make some, I don't know, videos, or mm. if I decide to upload a clip, um, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's usually where I put my stuff.
0: okay all right before we go is i just asked a couple of quick questions you give me your top two or three as of today don't think too hard about it are you ready yes all right so uh music give me your top two or three favorite artists or band of all time
1: all right let's see Uh, i'm listening to burner boy yes (laughs) and then uh i like james blunt
0: oh cool
1: yeah and i think beyonce is pretty good
0: uh your top three favorite movies of all time
1: Uh, what was that movie uh directed by mel gibson Uh, apocalypse
0: apocalypse now
1: yes okay that one was good um i think oh good will hunting
0: oh come on great movie
1: damn i was watching titanic the other day
0: (laughs) come (laughs) on great classic and books. books what are the top two or three favorite books of all time that you've read
1: okay um eat Pre love mm. okay uh, the kite runner and i like michelle obama's book becoming
0: all right but what are the what's your three favorite international cities that you've visited and three cities that you would like to visit or three countries that you'd like to visit in the future
1: Okay, I like Bali, Uh, I like uh, Thailand, everywhere, anywhere. Mm. And I went to St. Petersburg and I liked it. Uh, Oh,
2: yeah, right. All
1: right. Um, Three cities that I would love to visit. Yes. Uh, LA, Um, somewhere in New Zealand. Uh, I'm not sure which city. Yeah, New Zealand.
0: You can spend many, 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 uh days in new zealand so many islands yeah it's beautiful
1: yeah and london maybe i have friends there
0: <laughs> australia
1: <laughs> yeah, i would
0: <laughs>
1: new zealand australia. if you go to new zealand
0: yeah. you gotta go yeah. to australia come yeah. on for sure what's the best piece of advice that you've ever had
1: the best piece of advice i've mm. ever had i think it's pretty recent love yourself Mm.
0: Yeah, that's good. Your top two or three favorite comedians.
1: I like Chris Rock.
0: Oh, come on.
1: Yeah, uh, Michelle Wolf. She's brutal.
0: Is she? American?
1: Yeah, she did um, uh, Trump's uh, co- correspondence dinner.
0: And, oh, yeah, he right.
1: She was not there, but she was awesome.
0: Who is your greatest inspiration/slash hero and why?
1: I think my mom. Yeah, Um, she is funny, she's pretty, Um, she's selfless, she's smart, Um, she's loving, Um, I think she's everything.
0: All right, Ying, thank you very much for your time, I really do appreciate it. Great comedian, if you're in Shanghai, check her out. I hope that uh, Shanghai opens up so... All the entertainment can uh, get back to normal and we can start going to see shows, uh, comedy shows, because uh, the best medicine is laughter, (laughs) in my opinion. Good luck. Go from this Face Award from 2021. And I love that you're promoting the new uh, comedy in Shanghai. I think that's really great. And all the best for the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm only doing things that, that, you know, other people have been doing for me. So, yeah. And thank you so much for having me.
0: No worries. Yeah. Thanks again.
1: Hello. I'm Bala from Bala Simple Chinese School. If you are a beginner, intermediate, advanced, looking for HSK study, business Chinese, or simply want to improve your everyday communication, I'm the teacher for you. Come and join me for a free travel class at Banas Simple Chinese School.